Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Pastor of New Wine Ministries, wonderful to be with you today. I am showing right now our new shirt, just in case anybody can't see that. It is our Don't Shed On Me shirt. I'm, the camera's backwards. So I wanted to show you that. We've got them. They're very comfortable, very warm. I'll probably be getting a bead of sweat as we're going through the broadcast today if I continue to wear this. So uh, just wanted to let you know that they are in, they are the, the real soft material inside, and then outside it's very warm, and if you haven't got your Don't Shed On Me shirt yet, let me show you what the back looks like. As a matter of fact, I've got another color for you, and uh, this is not your sales channel, believe me, this is something we're doing by the Spirit, and there it is. I mean, here's the hoodie on it, all right, and there it is, Don't Shed On Me. And uh, it's got the scripture, Titus chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And so there it is. All right, so we've got black, we've got a blue one, and I'm uh, going to be sharing that with some friends later on in the, the broadcast right now. But if you have not gotten yours yet, that is super important to do. Let me just check my uh, settings real quick, make sure we're on the right track. We're broadcasting live. We should be on Blog Talk Radio on this Tuesday morning. And so, um, again, I'm going to give you a little banner here. So if you are interested in picking up one of the shirts, all you have to do is go to bit.ly forward slash shed Jesus. And if you um, go to your computer, put that in, 
Uh, you'll find it right there. T-shirts, men's, women's, short sleeve, long sleeve, hoodies like these. And uh, I think they make a great gift and they send a very powerful message. And I, you know, been thinking about different things about, you know, would the, would the Lord have worn a shirt like this? I don't know. I don't know. The disciples, I don't know. Um, is it political? It is kind of a political statement. And what is that statement? Well, there it is. Don't shed on me. Uh, it is good looking and you're either going to get some real high fives. That's really cool. Or maybe somebody will look and say, you know, what does that actually mean? What are you talking about there? And an opportunity to witness or you'll get beat up. I don't know. I don't know what they do today. Um, I'm certainly not planning on that, but it's a great sweatshirt. I got the black one on and uh, I've got the blue, the red, the green, the gray. I mean, there's all different colors. And the right now you're able to do that by going to bit.ly shed Jesus. And again, we're not, you know, I, there's, I guess I can no longer say, gosh, we don't sell anything. You know, well, there's no oil from Israel. Uh, but this was kind of God breathed. It came out when a friend was helping me and talking about vaccination shedding. Um, and went into it and looked at it and thought, my God, scientifically, this is true. So I just simply said, well, don't shed on me. And I thought about don't tread on me after I said it. And we put it into T-shirt form and here it is. And it's a time where it's a, I think it'd be a great gift because the quality, honest to God, the quality is great. I love it. You got the, the hand pockets right here. You can put your hands in. Uh, they fit well. I just washed it last night because I took it out yesterday and cleaned the garage, believe it or not. But I wanted to. I want to see what it's like after it's washed. And uh, this just fits perfect. So uh, hopefully you'll be able to look at that. And again, for those of you just tuning in right now, let me show you the backside of the, of the hoodie. There's your hood. And um, so you have your Don't Shed On Me sweatshirts. And then on the front, as I have on the front of mine right now, you've got the little don't shed on me as well. All right, so I'll be wearing that today and uh, getting into this Tuesday with all the different things going on. And I, I mean, why regurgitate what's already been said by some of the very best voices out there uh, that talked about Kenosha, that talked about uh, this new town in Wisconsin where um, a man just raged through the streets and killed five people and injured over 40. Um, you know, what is that all about? It was he on psychedelics, PCP, was, you know, ain't, what was it? Uh, was it just his anger got to him, the best of his anger? Uh, and what about these crowds of hundreds of thousands going out to the Astro Dome in Houston where one man is standing there and he's, a, and he's a, supposedly a Satanist and his kids are coming and people are dying and witchcraft is going forth. And it really does appear that it's the setting of the stage of the end times, doesn't it? I mean, it just further, uh, you know, admits, I mean, we have to continue to admit that, hey, the crazy things that are happening in the world are lining up with the Bible that predicted the signs of the times and evil men getting worse and worse. And we don't expect it to stop. We are on a mission right now to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. Uh, by the end of March, you definitely want to be in the right place. You want whatever that is. You know, if it's your apartment building in uh, Shockinaw, you know, Pennsylvania or whatever, I don't even know if there's a Shockinaw. It sounds like shock and awe. Shockinaw, just made that up. But anyways, you want to be in the right place and you want to have things available to you 
And uh, whatever you need right now, if you go through your house and you go through your life and you say, well, we need this and we need that, well, don't delay. Just get everything you need now. That's how you do it. And you go out a couple of days, you spend a week going out, shopping, getting what you need. Well, what do I need? You need Band-Aids, you need aspirin, you need um, alcohol rub, you need toilet paper, paper towels, matches, candles. What do you need? Well, there's a list of a thousand things that, you know, everybody forgets about, like can openers. Do you have some canned food? Do you have water? Do you have medical supplies? Do you have an abundant supply of things that are really important to you, whatever they may be? For me, it's spaghetti. We got to make sure we have tons of spaghetti. And thank God it's not expensive, right? But in all sincerity, this is a time for people to be ready. So while we're living on planet Earth, And we're born again, spirit-filled, Jesus lovers, right? We love Jesus. We've got the wisdom of God's scripture given to us, a higher wisdom than anything we ever knew before. So we have all of this available to us, and um, we're told what to do. I had a great conversation with somebody that I think it was my daughter, Danielle, the other day called me from San Diego, and she said, hey, Dad, some person just told me when I was talking about preparing that the Bible actually condemns people from preparing. And I said, well, what verses did they give? She says, I, I don't think they gave any verses. They just said it's in the Bible. Uh, you know, kind of like cleanliness is next to godliness, right? God helps those who helps himself. I was told that my whole life growing up, that the Bible said that. The Bible doesn't say that. So I said, well, maybe they're referring to the admonition of Jesus who talked about do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, you know, what you're going to put on. Um, And as he was telling the disciples of his day that those aren't the primary things to be thinking about, that the primary things to be thinking about are the things that are spiritual, richness of the kingdom, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. And so um, that was not a negation because further or later, Jesus said, these will my coming will be like the days of Noah. And obviously, Noah prepared an ark. And then the Bible does specifically say A wise man foresees the storm coming and hides himself. The foolish man walks on without doing any preparation and is destroyed. That's twice in the book of Proverbs. So we have more, uh, you know, the preparation of Joseph for seven years. Store up everything you got because days of famine are coming. Seven years of famine. Seven years of plenty. Seven years of famine. You better store up. So there's more evidence in the Bible to be a wise person and prepare like the wise virgins, then there is scripture saying, don't worry about it. Don't prepare. I don't know of any scripture that says don't prepare. I think it says, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Everything will be added to you. So the things that are added to you are things that we prepare with. So praise God. But it's not our primary reality. We do have to trust, regardless of where we are and what we have or what we've done, that if we're walking close to the heart of Jesus, that everything else will work out just fine. And I totally agree with that. Um, However, wisdom does say biblically, scripturally, from the beginning to the end of scripture, that even God himself has a wilderness prepared to nourish the woman that's going to flee into the wilderness. I mean, she goes to a prepared place where she's nourished. That's because those prepared places of God are going to be able to supply the needs for three and a half years. That's in your Bible in Revelation 12, that for three and one half years, the woman will be going into the wilderness, a place that God's prepared where she'll be nourished, taken care of, fed, given water, supplies. Also, a spiritual supply 
of miracles, signs, and wonders in the economy of heaven. I believe that with all my heart. So to my daughter's argument of somebody telling her that, you know, the Bible says not to prepare, uh, that's ludicrous, that's absurd, that's not the truth. The Bible from the beginning to the end talks about prepared places and people that should be preparing themselves. Uh, even wise virgins have made sure that they carry their oil and their lampstands, right? So I would be continually wise as the times that we're living in. Uh, I've been watching the other night the uh, a great series put out by Tucker Carlson on Fox Nation. I went out of my way and I got it uh, because I wanted to see what his uh, Purge of the Patriots uh, special was, and it was all about what the government is doing and it's, um, it's, it's amazing to me that Tucker Carlson is still walking around because he is exposing uh, the left's agenda and he is exposing all the evil, hypocritical um, unrighteousness that's going on in the left. And he put together three broadcasts, part one, two, and three, on the Patriot Purge in America. And he likened it to what was going on in 1991. And it is interesting that the Patriot Purge is all about arresting as many people as they can that supported President Trump. And even on the Homeland Security website, uh, it talks about the three major issues that would cause somebody to be profiled as a domestic terrorist. And some of the things that they wrote about and and on the Homeland Security website is if you uh, believe there, there was election fraud, you could be a domestic terrorist. If you believe that Donald Trump could be reinstated to the office of president, you could be a domestic or are viewed as a potential domestic terrorist. Um, it talks about some other things that, you know, just average, normal, everyday citizens of America uh, believe in. We believe in the Bible. We believe in conservatism, right, uh, to a degree. We also believe in tremendous liberalism. I mean, Jesus was the most liberal man on the, on the earth. I mean, he was liberally pouring out all the time to the poor. So we, we totally get that. Um, but there are things that are on the law books. They are sending people to prisons. I also listened to the Kyle Rittenhouse interview with Tucker last night, and it was phenomenal. It was an incredible interview of a young man that stood, stood his ground and is now 18 years old, uh, talked about going to prison, not being able to shower for nearly three weeks. And then when he finally did shower, he said his skin was peeling off his body. He was filthy. Uh, there was no running water in his cell for three weeks. And how a couple of his lawyers tried to railroad him because they made a bunch of money over a million dollars. And when they had enough bail money, a million-dollar bail money, rather than getting him out in September, they wanted him to stay until November, so he was 87 days in prison. He went into prison at 17 in an adult prison, and then he turned 18 at a certain time. So now he's just 18 years old, and it was an incredible interview. If you can get the interview with Tucker Carlson uh, interviewing Kyle Rittenhouse, that would be awesome. He talks about his faith in God, and he says God was with him doing what he was doing, and Uh, How is he going to live his life now? So um, just amazing times that we're living in. Again, a lot of political maneuverings and rants and raves and all these different things going on. But I believe that those signs that are taking place on this earth at this time, we should be paying very special attention to. And yet, while we perceive this is the time to be preparing 
to be getting ready to go into the wilderness, to go into the Judean mountains, if you're there, to go into, you know, these refuge cities. Uh, you know, there, there, there's just tons of biblical evidence about people fleeing. If you're on the rooftop, don't go back down into your house and get your stuff. If you're out in the field, don't return to your home. Get your stuff. Pray that it's not in the winter. Have we been doing that? All the instructions that Jesus gave us, we should be doing. We should be doing them with all of our heart. So looking at those things, I I see balance. I see that God is the Savior, um, not only of our spirit and not only of our soul, but also of our body. And the Lord in the scriptures views us as tripart beings being born again. Uh, many people who are still dead in their sins and trespasses are only, you know, two-part beings. They are soul and body. But when you're born again, your spirit is alive and awakened and resurrected so that you now become a tripart being. And God ministers to the spirit, soul, and body of an individual. He does not sit like the Gnostics used to say, oh, we're only concerned about spiritual things, so let the body do what the body wants to do. If the body wants to fornicate, if it wants to overeat, if it wants to, you know, be pleasurized in every sense possible, go for it. It doesn't matter. No, we don't believe that. We believe that our spirit, soul, and body are to be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. So God would help us in, in, in all areas of our life, not just our spirit, not just our soul, but also in our body. And that means to help us to prepare and to get ready because he is concerned about our physical life upon this earth. We are the mobile tabernacle of God, and we should have healthy bodies because we carry the cargo of Christ in us. We carry the presence of God, the word of God, the light of God. When we speak by faith out of the breath of our mouth, the word of God goes forth. And so we should be healthy. We should be you know, doing the best we can to keep it all going in the right direction because physical health is important. You don't want to be dying of some disease and then trying to carry the wisdom of God and and bring forth the word of God. So if you have a disease in your body, I want to declare to you that a supernatural season is coming. And I believe with all of my heart, every ounce of breath that I have, that supernatural miracles are going to begin to abound within the house of God, amongst God's people. I really believe that there is a concentration taking place of the mind of Christ to the body, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, if you will, scattered saints of God who are sick, busted, and disgusted. I believe the spirit of the Lord is going after them through the people of God that are carrying the cargo of Christ to bring healing, restoration, and deliverance. We see it around us all the time. And sometimes we think, man, I prayed for this person 50 times and there's no budging. Pray 51 times. Pray another 50 times. Keep rehearsing what you have. And remember that unbelief, that any level, any measure of unbelief when you approach a situation, if you have the smallest measure of unbelief, it will leaven the whole loaf. So keep on going until there's no unbelief. When you're looking at a dead person and you're laying hands on them and there's something in your mind, you go, man, this person's dead. They're not going to budge, but I'm going to do it. Anyways, no, 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 you can't, you got to wait till your unbelief, all unbelief is gone, knowing that nothing is impossible with God. So when you begin to see the miracle in your spiritual eyes of faith, well, you keep practicing, lay hands on, you see a crippled man, you see a deaf and dumb person, you see leprosy, palsy, you see whatever it is, 
You, when you see it in your mind that Jesus dealt with that on the cross, and you know that he can deal with that fully, you, you're going to lay hands one day, and there's going to be a bursting uh, of anointing, and light, and glory is going to manifest through the laying on of your hands, just like the scripture says, and there will be the supernatural work of God, which is natural. It is not so supernatural that we should be going, woo. I mean, it's naturally how the kingdom works. But we must keep going in that direction until our faith is complete. And even if we have the smallest measure of faith, as long as there's no unbelief in it, that smallest measure of faith, even though it's a grain of a mustard seed, could move mountains. We could actually speak to a mountain and have it removed if there's no doubt. But if there's any measure of doubt, any measure of unbelief, if there's any of that, it's going to be very difficult. Then, of course, we who carry the cargo of Christ, if we're not sanctified, if we're not in agreement with God's word in our mind, if we're out of order in any area, just like your spinal cord, if it gets out of whack, you need a chiropractic adjustment or whatever. So we need to make sure that we're in alignment with God, that we are aligned. We had a friend, her name was Mary in California that used to come to our church, her favorite saying in everything. She was a beautiful Jewish lady, and she was probably 70s in her, at that time. And she'd always say, it's so important that we align ourselves with God. We've got to be aligned with the, with the head, and the body needs to be in alignment, alignment. And, you know, we heard that for years, and I totally agree. Without proper alignment, there could be issues that stop the flow. I mean, just like in the physical. If your back is out of alignment, your, your, anything's out of alignment, well, it restricts. Go to any chiropractor, they'll tell you. So what chiropractic, you know, whatever they do is all about is bringing alignment so there could be flow. So sometimes if there's wrong thinking, even though we say we have faith, but there's some area in our life that is out of order with God, it could impede or restrict the flow of anointing that's leaving your body because it's not your anointing. It's not your energy. It's not mine. It's God's anointing, God's energy, God's can do. Okay. And we're just the vessels through which that flows. But if we're out of alignment in some area, whether in our thinking and our conduct, we have unforgiveness. If we have bitter resentment, roots, whatever sin, you, there will be a restriction to the flow. So I believe the time is coming through a sanctified body of believers that are in alignment with God and are doing what is right before the Lord, that there will be in, in, in pure faith, even though it's a small grain of faith, size of a mustard seed, without any doubt, we're going to see it. And we're getting there. I'm telling you, the spirit of the Lord is bringing the body of Christ into this reality. And it's going to be necessary in the dark season in which we live. We live in a very dark hour and the darkness is not going away. The labor pains are not going to cease. They're going to intensify and accelerate until the birthing of the Antichrist and the great time of tribulation that is coming on the face of the earth. That's just reality. That's just what's happening. So we're here today. We also agree with balance that today may be our last day on this planet. There is no assurance that we're going to be here tomorrow. We may leave the planet today, tomorrow, next week, next month. We don't know. Nobody knows. I guarantee you those five people that died in Wisconsin by the man who took his truck or Jeep and went through the crowd never would have dreamed 
that they would be dead that day. The 2,997 people that died on 9-11-2001 when they were going to work on a Tuesday morning in a bright New York skyline on a sunny day, those 2,997 people that went there and, and, and were on a plane flying over Pennsylvania or in the Pentagon building in Washington, D.C., they never would have dreamed that would have been their last day. The 58 people that were shot and killed in Las Vegas under a country concert, when they went there to enjoy a, con- a country concert, a Harvest Moon concert, they would have never dreamed that they would have been assassinated that day. The people that were shopping at the mall in El Paso, Texas, last August, when they were shopping for school supplies, never would have dreamed that they would have died that day. The 17 children that went to Parkland High School in Florida that went to school and were shot and killed never would have dreamed that they would have died that day. The 300,000 people that went to Indonesia and were on vacation and, and, as, as, uh, and resorting in luxury resorts never would have dreamed that an earthquake would have created a tidal wave that would have brought a tsunami that destroyed 300,000 people's lives. Nobody knows. The I don't know how many million people that have just been infected by COVID-19, so-called, uh, if they would have ever dreamed it. And you just never know. Nobody knows when the last day is. So what we do is we live our lives in alignment with the Godhead, the, the way that we would live our last day on planet Earth. We don't reserve. We don't hold back. We go. If we have an issue with somebody, we go resolve the issue the best we can. We don't want any unforgiveness in our hearts. We don't want any sin in our lives. We don't want to be in trouble with God on any level. Zero, zip, nada. So we live today. We love today. We love our enemies. We bless those who curse us. We do good to those who despitefully use us. And we pray for them. And so we, we love and honor the body of Christ. And we get in alignment with the body of Christ. We treat the body of Christ with honor and respect. And we definitely honor the government of God within the house of God. God's government is active right now. And anybody that comes against that government is out of alignment with God. And it's usually because of pride or some other issue that people get out of alignment with God because they want to be like, you know, we're all the same. And we are, but there is a government of God that has a responsibility And that government of God should be treated with respect. You go to church, you have a pastor, there are elders, there are people in that body there. Well, there's a governing body there. It's in the Bible. We were reading it this morning in Matthew 18, how the government of God to the church really works. So make sure that you have not slandered anybody. Make sure that you haven't gossiped about anybody. Make sure that you haven't uh, talked behind people's back. Uh, Make sure that you're not um, doing anything that is contrary to the word of God, because all these things, number one, are restrictive. And I think the number one reason why we're not seeing miracle signs and wonders the way that we should be is because the great restriction of the outflow of the anointing because of the sin in our lives as an ecclesia or corporately, pride, jealousy, envy, these three monster spirits are so ugly to the, to, the, to the work of Christ in the church. 
pride, jealousy, and envy, jockeying for position, power plays in the church, who's who? The disciples asked Jesus, who's greatest in the kingdom? And what did Jesus reply? He brought a little child and said, here, he was like this little child is greatest in the kingdom, referring to its humility, its inability to do anything on its own. And so its willingness to not be known, not be anything, just do what God tells them to do. God says, go play in the, in the swings, go play in the swings. The kids love that and still love playing, right, in a good way. So get it right. That's the message. You want a message on this New Wine Radio broadcast today? Get it right in your life. Get it right. Love your spouse. Love your children. Honor your mother and father. Don't have any unforgiveness in your heart. Release everybody. Get it right. Stop being proud. Stop being jealous when other people are blessed and you think you deserve it more than they do. Stop it. Stop being envious when other people are being lifted up by the Lord and and you think you should be. Stop it. Don't do it, right? So this is the word of the Lord. Don't talk behind people, even subtly about people. And if you have a problem with somebody, go to them. Don't go to anybody else. Go to them alone. I mean, there's just a certain way where things work. And what you want is you want the, the, the life of Jesus that manifests in your mortal body, according to Corinthians twice, Paul says it, you want it to flow. You want the Spirit of God to flow. You want everything to flow. You want your mind to be connected to the mind of Christ so that it can communicate to your mouth and your heart what is to be spoken and sent forth to bring healing, deliverance, salvation, conviction, reproof, rebuke, whatever it is. Be aligned with God. Get it right. What else could be said? What else could be said? All I know is that God told me in five months, and that was about a month and a half ago, get yourself in position. Get everything ready. I don't know what's going to happen. I sense that there's going to be a lights-out scenario. I don't think it's going to take 10 years for that to happen. I think there's going to be a darkness that's going to cover the earth and gross darkness the people. I believe it's going to be an interesting winter with the new maybe levels of Delta Cova or, or the new smallpox that are found in Pennsylvania that Bill Gates said will probably be the next disease that will begin in an airport somewhere. I don't know how mad these scientists are. I don't understand what their problem is, why they can't just go about and live a normal life like everybody else and thank God for the life they have. I don't know why they got to spray chemtrails, if that's what they're really doing over the skies of America and around the world, where you wake up and it's a blue sunny day and by mid-afternoon it's a yellow-brown funk over cities. I don't know why they do it. I don't know why they got to murder babies. I don't know why a young girl or a woman has to be so irresponsible to go have sex one night, get pregnant a few months later or whatever, and uh, all of a sudden they don't want the baby, so they take it to a doctor to kill it and shed its blood. I don't know why people have to do that. I don't know why men have to be attracted to men sexually. I know Jonathan and David loved each other more than women. They had such deep affection, but it wasn't homosexual. It was affection that men have, brotherhood, love, care, friendship. But it wasn't sexual. I want to, I mean, come on. But it's a very sin-sick world that we live in, and sin-sick people are demented in their minds, and the devil works through these people. That's all there is to it. He used to work through you and I, I'm sure, to some degree, if we'd be willing to admit that. 
to some degree, we were used by the devil, maybe to a large degree, right? So I think it's time to just get it right, get it right, get it right, get it right, because something's coming. Something's coming. And, and again, I'm not going to play games with it. I'm not going to play games. I mean, God reveals things. He reveals things by his spirit, and he tells us what's coming. So then while we're getting it right, maybe God is at work getting it right too. Maybe God is at work getting it right too. Praise the Lord. What is God doing? What is God doing? Let's look at it real quick. I want to see and show you something. And I want to share with you out of the word, and I want to get my my online concordance, praise God. I love this Hebrew Greek one. So I want to read to you a prophecy. Okay, I want to read to you a prophecy. And I, I want to just kind of take everything we just said, and I, I, want, I want to focus on it because it's real important stuff. But I want to take you to the next level now. I want to take you to the next level, the more important level. Getting food, getting water, getting a bug out bag, being out of the way, having medical supplies, being around the right people, like-minded people, fellowship, stay in the word of God, pray, do all the things that we should be doing. That's all really important stuff, okay? But it does not compare to what the next level is, the next level. There may be a lights out scenario, an electromagnetic pulse. There may be no propane. There may, may be no whatever. You know, and I heard people talking about the global supply chain breaking down. But you go to the stores around here, Northwest Arkansas, everything's packed. They're getting new supplies in, all the department stores. They said they've had more than they've ever had before. Mar- uh, Walmart is boasting its, its supply is up 10%. So I don't know what's going on with ships out at sea. I, I know there's some Bible passages that could be very interesting about it. And time will tell if there's going to be a food shortage, if there's going to be a, uh, another plague, another pestilence, if there's going to be a lights out and freezing weather. And it'll all, it'll all show up when it shows up, right? There's a foretelling, a foreknowing of these things. But what is the next level? What is the more important thing? More important than don't shed on me shirts, more important than preparations that we're doing. What I want to talk with you about today is what God is doing. And I, and I, I need to say that in a way that it penetrates the heart so you don't kind of roll the eyebrows or the eyes say, okay, what is God doing? What do you know God is doing? Well, I want to tell you what God is doing because he shares what he's doing. It's all about timing. It's all about timing. And today, I want to talk about Christ in you. Christ in you. We have talked many times in this ministry and behind the pulpit in our church about the building. We know it as God's house. You know, it's all over Corinthians, Hebrews. We are his house. Okay, so scripture tells us, as you already know, that God's house is something that has been under construction for two millennia or two millennial days or 2,000 years. 1,000 years is as a day 
in the economy of God in a days as a thousand years. So we have talked much about the final phase of the building of God's house. Because if it's been growing up and under construction for 2,000 years, there's no doubt as we're ready to shift into the prophetic third day of the Lord and the prophetic seventh day of the Lord, which is biblical, scriptural, scientific, mathematical. It's all real. It's not make-believe. So if we're shifting and we're coming out of the second day, moving into the third day, and you got to go through the canal, the birthing canal, you got to go from the mother's womb into reality, right? So we're coming out of the second day. We've got to cross over the Red Sea, the Jordan, just like Israel crossed over into other territory. Well, we're crossing over into the third day, crossing over into the prophetic seventh day, which is a day of rest. It's the Sabbath day. It's the 1,000-year millennial reign of the Lord, if we understand it properly. So we're coming out of the end of a second day, end of a sixth day, and we're going to have to cross over into the third day. The crossing over, the, the birthing canal, is known as the Great Tribulation. And the Great Tribulation is the birthing. It's the pressure, the squeezing. That's when the birthing takes place. So we're, that's coming, okay? And all the, the labor pains are showing us that we're on their way. We're on our way to that reality. So, but while this is happening, God's house has been under construction. The foundation of God's house began with the apostles and prophets. Book of Ephesians, chapter 2, very clear. The, it, the foundation was laid by the apostles and prophets. We have been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's in your Bible. Now, the house of God is not brick and mortar. The house of God is an organic body. Okay? We are his house. We are his building. But don't think brick and mortar and wood and hay and stubble and all that. Think spiritual, organic people. House, the heart, the mind. The spirit, okay? This is God's true house. It's people that he knit ties together all over the world and has been doing for 2,000 years. But there has to come a time of completion. And we are now the generation that's bringing it. And so here's what the Lord says. The final phase of this house being built. Now, let me ask you a question. If a house is built from the foundation, you just build it up, right? You just keep building up. And as far as the house being a body, if it began with our feet way down there and the body's been growing up for 2,000 years, what is the final part of the body that needs to be built so that the head can rest upon it? Remember 2,000 years ago, Jesus said the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Well, the head is in the heavens. The body has been growing up, and eventually there's going to be a reconnection of the head and the body. Not that it's disconnected spiritually. It is not. But the head is going to rest upon what? Well, the shoulders and the neck, okay? The shoulder and the neck. So if there is a completing that's going on, we could go back to Zechariah where they're shouting to the capstone or they're shouting to the headstone, grace, grace. So there's a time where they're shouting to the head, to the cap, to the omega, all right? Yeshua is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the foundation cornerstone, but he's also the head. And everything in between is you and I and all other 
spiritual material he's got together through human beings for the last 2,000 years to build his ecclesia. So the final phase we are speaking of is a final reform unto perfect form. Now, you know that God doesn't build cheap stuff. You are not cheap. You are so valuable that you were bought with the blood of Jesus. Would you agree? You're not some leftover piece of junk that doesn't matter. If you're a Christian because you have faith in Jesus because the Holy Spirit revealed himself to you, if you love Jesus Christ, you were bought with the blood of Jesus. Every single part of this body was bought. So you're not junk. You're not leftover. You're not insignificant. You're not you are absolutely intrinsic to the house because the house that God builds is a house that he only uses the very best. And you and I may have been damaged goods when we were purchased, but through restoration, he's doing his best work in us. That's really important. So, How has the house been built from generation to generation? And you know again that we are the 50th generation, a generation of 40 years, and then another generation. We are the 50th 40-year generation on the earth because 50 times 40 is 2,000. 50 times 40 is 2,000. So we're the 50th generation that has spanned 2,000 years, 50 generations. 50 is the number of jubilee. Jubilee is all about release, finality, completion, uh, a return, uh, uh, a jubilee, okay? So we are, you and I are the 50th generation living on planet Earth right now since Yeshua was on the Earth. or maybe 20 years into it or whatever, okay? But we are the 50th generation. If you said the year 2000 was the, was the 50th generation, then we got till 2050 or 2040, right? That would, then it would change again. But we are the 50th generation, the Jubilee generation. Again, speaking of release, completion, Leviticus 25 tells us all about what the Jubilee is. All debts canceled. Hallelujah. The sin debt canceled. All of it's over. Now, during the last 2,000 years, from generation to generation, There have been many reforms, many reforms, many many reformations. We always hear about the uh, uh, Martin uh, Martin Luther Reformation or the 1500, the Reformation, the Great Reformation. And it's true, it was a great reformation. There was a great reformation. It wasn't the only reformation. As a matter of fact, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, it talks about until the Reformation, of all things. So in scripture, maybe I should put that word out there. Let's, let's go. I'll give you the first one. Reformation. All right. So when you talk about a reformation, it's in Hebrews chapter nine, verse 10. And here's what it says, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings, talking about the old Testament, carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. All right, so even back in the Old Testament, there needed to be a reformation. Those things were imposed on them until a reformation. Now, the word reformation there is deorthosis, the deorthosis, and that word reformation means 
to straighten thoroughly. Rectification. The messianic restoration. All right. So what is a reformation? It is a straightening thoroughly. Straightening thoroughly. Uh, It means uh, to making things straight, restoring to its natural and normal condition, something which some way protrudes or has got out of line as broken or mishappened limbs, but that has to be reformed. Okay, now, the church began 2,000 years ago, and what happened in the church age, in the beginning of the church days, in the book of Acts? What did we see? Peter was walking down the road. His shadow was healing everybody. Uh, He was walking into rooms, and he's raising a dead girl named Dorcas. The saints of God were going to cities and turning them upside down. There were miracles, signs, wonders, the preaching of the gospel. I mean, it was a phenomenal time. So rich was the ecclesia 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts that the surrounding people did not dare join themselves to those people. There was something effulgencing out of the ecclesia. There was something rich. There was something powerful. But through the years and warfare and attack, broken limbs, Things get out of order, okay, like the definition says. Something in some way that protrudes or has got out of line. And so every time the church would get out of line because of the satanic warfare, God would send a reformer. God would send a reformation. In the Old Testament, they were known as judges and prophets. And so throughout the church age, reformations. We've had several reformations, reformations, to bring the church back into alignment. And with each alignment, came a Welsh revival, Azusa Street revival, you know, whatever it was throughout the history of the church age, there were all these things that were going on. Well, there's got to come a final reformation, a final reform that will bring the church at this time in the Jubilee generation back into divine order, no limbs broken, nothing protruding, nothing out of order. He wants to bring everything back into order into formation, and that's you and I, by the way. It's not stuff, okay? It's you and I. It's you and I, the bone of his bone. You see what it talks about, a broken bone or a bone protruding out of flesh. It's talking about the bone of his bone, the flesh of his flesh. That's us. So where we are out of order, reform us. That's important to realize. So the early church was walking in the demonstration of the kingdom of God because they were in order. Apostolic government was in order. Apostolic government was rich. I mean, Ananias and Sapphira lied to Peter, who was an apostle who represented the government of God. And just because they lied, he said, well, you lied to the Holy Spirit, but it was in him. Believe me, Peter had the fullness of the Spirit. And so when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit and Peter, representing the government of God on earth, with the other apostles, shoulder to shoulder, if you will, well, they died. Because that's what happens when there's governmental order. Today, people just do the rankest of things in the church, and there seems to be no accountability or no consequence, at least at the present moment. But when the government of God is in order, there brings a flow. There's an outflow. Everything works without restriction. This is coming back. This is what God is doing right now. So the final phase that we are speaking of is a final reform Unto perfect form. So, 2,000 years of reformations to get everything going, there's going to come a completion. That's what the word perfect means. The form is going to be completed. 
in the spirit manifesting in the earth through the body, in the body of Christ. It's coming. And it's going to happen. God is not looking for quantity. He's looking for quality. Okay? The body of Christ. The bride of Christ. So here we go. Remember that we have in times past talked about the final form or the perfect form, the complete form, which is found in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. You'll remember Galatians 4, 19 where the Apostle Paul said in his writing, Galatians 4.19, My little children, in whom I travail until Christ be formed in you. All right, there it is. So apostolic mindset, apostolic government, apostolic authority, apostolic anointing, is always directed towards Christ being formed in the people. Not an immature Christ, not 30-fold, not 60-fold, but 100-fold. Completion, perfect, mature, the new form, Christ in us, comes to fruition. Now, a lot of people in church today don't have that vision at all. They insist that the destination of the church is going to heaven and getting out of this world before the bad guys come. That's not really God's plan. God's real plan is to manifest forth his glory through a many-membered body who have allowed that form, which is Christ in them, to become perfect. Woo! I mean, Jesus didn't run from the Roman Empire. He didn't run from the devil. And he was the firstborn of many sons. He is what the body of Christ is to become. And you and I who are moving in this direction because we have true doctrine, we're not looking for a preacher of rapture. We're not looking to run from the devil. We're looking to be perfected, to allow Christ in us to come to a perfect form so that amazing things could be done through our lives. Now, This is in the Bible. This is not my thinking. This isn't me playing with Scripture. This is in the Bible. In fact, the Bible doesn't just talk about Paul as an apostle travailing so, uh, with, the, with the little children until Christ be formed in them. But he talks about, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we've talked about it a lot lately. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he talks about that uh, every time Moses is read, a veil comes over their mind. But we, with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So we're looking into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, the glory of God in the word. It's reflecting into us, are changed from glory to glory, even into the same image as by the spirit of the Lord. So we're, we have a, we're being renewed day by day. Though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. That's the Bible in Corinthians. So what is going on is there's a constant renewing going on in us by the Spirit of the Lord. There's a change going on, a metamorphosis going on in us by the Spirit of the Lord. There's a work of the master hands of God who is sculpting and fashioning within us by his Spirit, by the workmanship of him, a nature, a character that is exactly like Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're being conformed into the same image. That's Romans chapter 8. 
that the destination of the church is not heaven, but we have been predestinated to be conformed into the image of the firstborn son. And then in Hebrews, Jesus is the express image of the Father and the brightness of his glory. The word brightness means effulgence. So he was the one effulgencing the glory of God, especially on the Mount of Transfiguration in the seventh day. And so we have these incredible scriptures, and we're being conformed into the same image of the one who is the express image of the Father? Wow. Now, we look at that externally in our, in our carnal thinking, in our fleshly activities. That doesn't make any sense. We can't do that, and of course we can. It's a work of God's Spirit. This is what's going on. So he who began the work is going to complete the work. We are the Jubilee generation. We are the 50th, and there's a form that will be complete. Now, to understand this a little bit further, we are living in the prophetic day of the Lord. Our generation is living in what the Bible calls the day of the Lord. And I have studied much on the day of the Lord and preached much on the day of the Lord. Maybe it's time to do it again. We're going to go back into the day of the Lord. Well, the day of the Lord, there's a lot that goes on. It's not a 24-hour day. The day of the Lord brings a lot. In fact, the book of Revelation uh, actually incorporates into the day of the Lord a whole bunch of stuff unto the coming of his, his actual coming. We'll get into that another time. But we are living in the prophetic day of the Lord, which is the combination of two days called the third and the seventh. All right. Now, this is a revelation. If you're not born again, you won't even consider this. But it is biblical and it is spiritual and it is true. There is a prophetic third day. There is a prophetic seventh day. 2,000 years represents two days. 6,000 years represents six days. We're at the end of six days, coming into the seventh. We're coming to the end of two days, moving into the third. So the seventh day, which is the seventh millennium, we have just entered or are entering into, but we have to go through the womb. Okay? We got to pass through the, that restricted place, the canal, the birthing canal. That's what the time of pressure. That's what everything is squeezed, right? That's when you birth out of that womb. And that birthing into the seventh day millennium, into the third day of resurrection power and everything else, the third day and seventh day, really represent in Scripture, which is powerful. Well, we're, gonna, we're moving in that direction. God knows the perfect time. Now, so we're moving into this third day and seventh day. And this day is bidding us to enter in spiritually. All right. So let, let me say it like this. Physically speaking, right here, planet Earth, hello, woo, we're all right here. We're real. Time is real. We have calendars and all these things. Physically, horizontally, earthly speaking, calendaristic language, okay? We have actually come or are coming, we're because calendars are a little different. We're right at the end of 2,000 years. We're right at the end of 6,000 years, physically. But the Holy Spirit is bidding the ecclesia to come into the third day and the seventh day spiritually. What does that mean? Well, when you study the seventh day and the third day, what it gives us in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation 
is territory. And the migration into that territory, much like Israel left Egypt, they were told of a promised land, and they had to journey through the wilderness to get there. Okay? But they never saw that land. It was only inspired in their mind, and their faith either took hold of it or it didn't. And we know that only two that came out of that original generation had a spirit of faith. And they're the only ones that entered into the promised land. The whole generation lived in doubt. They had no faith to believe in that land that God told them existed. So the spiritual migration into the seventh day, the spiritual migration into the third day, when you read what the seventh day is and what the third day is, it's the territory and we're spiritually moving into the day of rest, the day of completion, the day of perfection, the day of resurrection power, the day of reviving and restoration. Well, how do you know that? Because when I study Genesis to Revelation and I look up third day, seventh day scriptures, I begin to see a pattern and I find the territory for my spiritual advancement into it. And man, is it life-giving. So if we understand that, the seventh day speaks of the end of the matter, the finished work, the completion and perfection of all things. So because we're moving into the seventh day, that means you and I are coming at the end of six days. We're going through the moment. We're in the moment where he's ready to perfect everything that has cooperated with him. Now, if you don't cooperate with God, if you're not properly aligned with God, if you don't have apostolic doctrine guiding your thinking, you can't grow up. You cannot grow up. And this has nothing to do with you and I being special. This has to do with God's timing within a generation that is here right now. And what God can do in you and what God can do in me is awesome if we'll let him do it, right? So here we go. So this final phase of reformation is unto the perfection of the form, which is Christ, fully developed, fully matured in you. Why? Well, you know what the scripture says in Colossians 1.27, where it says, the mystery of the ages, Christ in you, the hope of glory, uh, which we preach, warning every man and teaching every man that we may present every man perfect. You ever read that in your Bible? I mean, let me just read that to you. Again, this is something the church is missing, and I'll tell you why it's missing it, because the church cut the head of the apostles and prophets off. And because the apostles and prophets really aren't, haven't been accepted in the general body of Christ, um, the people don't know anything about this. All they know is about getting raptured out of here and going to heaven. But here's what the apostle Paul said. Here's the true anointing right here. So Paul writes it this way in verse 27, Colossians chapter 1. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. That was what the Apostle Paul said. So again, 
the apostles representing the government of God and the anointing that produces this mindset in the people is so important. It's so important. Without apostolic anointing and prophetic anointing operating in the ecclesia, it can't grow up. But maybe this is God's plan, that if the church began with the apostle and prophet, God's going to finish it with the apostle and prophet. And one great scripture about that is Zerubbabel. All right? And you'll remember in the book of Zechariah, where God says of Zerubbabel, he began to build the house and he shall finish it. So maybe in the beginning of the church age, God had the apostle and prophet laying the foundation. And then came the teacher, the evangelist, the pastor, and all these, you know, uh, 2,000 years that have transpired, and now that we're coming to the end of the sixth day, the end of the second day, moving into the end of all things, the seventh day, the rest day, maybe God's restoring to the ecclesia the anointing of the apostle and prophet. So the anointing, it's not about people, the anointing that produces the pattern of what Paul wanted from the beginning because he knew it was what God wanted. He was a wise master builder, and he knew what he was building into the people of God, a form, which was Christ. And they wanted it to become perfect. You see, pastors, evangelists, teachers sometimes are afraid of perfect because they don't have what it takes to finish the work without the apostle and prophet. Maybe one day we'll wake up to this reality of what God is doing, and I hope it happens quickly. So... In the second chapter of the book of Genesis, verse 7, there is a man. So if you go to Genesis 2-7, there's a man whom God formed. It actually says God formed the man out of the dust of the earth, out of the dust of the earth. Okay, so God formed a man out of the dust of the earth. So he took the dust of the earth and he took it in his hands and he formed it. Okay, so he formed a man. Understanding that the natural is first, then that which is spiritual. Now that comes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46. All right, maybe I should just read it. Let me just read that real quick. 1 Corinthians 15, 46. And here's what we read talking about this principle of that which is spiritual coming after that which is natural. So here's what it says in verse 45. So 1 Corinthians 15, 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. And that first man was made of the earth. He was formed out of the earth. The last Adam, Christ, was made a quickening spirit or a life-giving spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual. So the first man was not spiritual, but that which is natural. So the natural man, the solical man, is a natural man. He's the man of the earth, the man of the dust. He was the first man formed, Adam. And afterward, that which is spiritual. So now Christ is the spiritual man. He's not a soul man. He's a spiritual man. And this is the man that he is now recreating in the life of all who believe in him. So... The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. 
And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Are you earthy or are you heavenly? That's the question. Now, when we look at this, understanding that the natural is first, the old Adam, the first Adam, then that which is spiritual, the second Adam, the second man from heaven, Christ is the second man. Okay, it's not Jewish or Gentile. It's Christ. There's Adam, there's Christ. There's natural, there's spiritual. Okay, there's earthy, there's heavenly. That's it. You and I were Adam, but we've been born again into Christ, the heavenly, spiritual. That's the truth. Well, when we consider this, we grasp the idea, the concept, the truth of God in this new covenant verse of scripture that the material God is forming is not earthy, natural from the dust but rather spiritual, supernatural from heaven. Uh Uh-oh. This is a brilliant conversation here. So if God took dust out of the earth, and and he moistened it, and he fashioned it like a potter, right? And he made a man. He formed a man out of clay, out of dust. He breathed into that man. He put all the stuff inside of him, whatever was in there. He breathed in him, and he woke up, and he was animated. He was a living soul. Boom. So he activated. Now what he formed, he could move, and he had a brain and a mind, and there he is. Okay? God formed the whole thing, the heart, the ear, the eye, everything. But the spiritual man... The new man, God is also forming. Remember, it's all about a form. He formed a natural man. Now he's forming a spiritual man. The spiritual man is Christ, and it's different substance than earth. Christ's substance is heavenly. It's light. It's glory. Adam's substance is earthy. Flesh, they say the seven elements of the dirt are in us, in our eyelids. I mean, we're dirt. So what is he forming? God is forming the spiritual, heavenly, Christ-natured man. And he, so he's working with that material. See, God is able to take light and, and touch it and form light. God is able to form breath. God is able to form the invisible things. He already dealt with the first man, the physical man. He's been working for 2,000 years in the life of all believers to form something of his nature in them. He's been forming a body. It's in heaven and it's on earth, and we're the final generation, and he's going to bring things to completion. Do you believe this? If God could form the first man, why can't he form the second man? If God could supernaturally take a man out of dust, breathe life in him, become a living soul, why can't he bring his light and his glory and his Christ substance and form it in you? Why can't he? He can. And he is. And he will. The substance that is being formed in us is not a common substance known to the earth man but a spiritual substance known to the spiritual man. Wow. 
We have people all over the world, 8 billion they say now, nearing 8 billion people, all out of the earth, out of the womb of their mothers. We've been born again out of the womb of the Spirit. We've been given the Spirit to dwell in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory, coming to fruition, coming to glorification, justification, sanctification, glorification, sonship, fullness, perfection, just like Jesus. God is doing that, and he's not working with our old nature material. He's working with the divine substance, his own substance. Wow. There is a natural man and there is a spiritual man. The substance inside the believer is a spiritual substance called Christ. Christ is a character. It's a substance. It's a nature. Spirit of God nature. Totally different than earth. Physical. Human. The substance inside the believer is a spiritual substance called Christ, the anointed one. And that's who Yeshua is. He is the anointed one. And it's out of his anointing that all things concerning the heavenlies are accomplished. This substance is divine and full of light. Do you believe you carry that substance on the inside of you? Listen, my physical body starts flipping out when it hears the truth. My physical body from get out of the earth is going back to the earth unless I'm alive and remaining at the coming of the Lord. Then I'll be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, and have a glorified body. And I think that's really going to happen in our generation because we're the final generation. I believe that. We'll know in about seven years. (laughs) So, do you believe that God put divine substance on the inside of you when you were born again? You, You see, he's not working with the old substance. He's not working with the fallen substance of Adam. He put brand new substance in the second man. Christ is the firstborn of that new species. And when Christ's substance comes into us, which can only happen through faith in Jesus Christ, we are born again in that spirit, that anointing, that substance, that light, that glory, is deposited into us through a seed. Okay? When Jesus said he was the light of the world, he did not refer to his humanity, but rather his divinity. How true is that? Now, the Bible says that we have this treasure, this new substance, in an earthen vessel. We have this treasure, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have this treasure of Christ in us, light in us, glory in us, the divine attributes, the, the, the nature of Christ, the character of Christ. It's in our earthen vessel. So we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It was the divine substance within Jesus that was light to the world. The man Jesus, he was a man just like us. He was a man. He took on the robes of human flesh, took on this kind of mortal body, 
Not a human sick, not a sin body. There was no sin in him, but he had a human body. Okay? That light that was in him was that nature, that substance, that glory, that Christ, that anointing, that God substance. It wasn't man substance. It was God substance. This is the substance that is being formed in us. Do you believe it? Are you hearing this message from behind the pulpit of where you go to church? In our fellowship, we talk about these things, and we also balance them with what's going on in the earth and how we're carrying the cargo, but we do need to prepare. And See, it's all working together, but I'm going to tell you this. When this substance is complete, when this form is complete, we won't be building arcs anymore. We won't be storing food anymore. We won't be getting digging wells and planting gardens anymore. When this substance comes to fruition and perfection, we will walk just like Jesus walked. This is the substance that's being formed in us. First, the natural substance from the earth, then the substance spiritual from heaven or the spirit. All of our thinking must be conformed to the spiritual. Okay? It must be conformed to the word of God. Now, I want to ask you a question. Anything that you've heard here today, is it just man, metaphysical, spiritual ideas, or is it Bible teaching you right now the Bible, doctrine in the Bible that has been covered, sent away, cut off, not thought of. It's always put off into the future. Let's just get out of here now. Go, gotta go. There's something going on inside of you that you're going to come into agreement with. You're going to get it. And it's going to accelerate. Because the Lord said he's going to cut his work short in the last days. And his work is in you. Believe me. It's in us. Now, all of our thinking must be conformed to the word of God in order to undergo the reform necessary in order to bring forth the form of what God has created within us. So if we're not going to line up with the word of God, if we're not going to allow our thoughts to conform to the word of God, then we can't have the reform. Because what does the word of God do? The word of God gets what's out of alignment in our lives and brings us back into alignment. So if we don't think what the word of God says, then we can never produce the form. But if we will allow our thinking to to undergo a reformation, by submitting to the word of God and let the word of God do what it wants to do in us, now that form is possible. So we have to be reformed by the word of God. Maybe there's an area in your life, maybe there's an area in my life where we're just not thinking right. And this is why I love apostolic doctrine, because the early church fed on the apostles' doctrine. That's what the Bible says. In other words, the apostles' doctrine fed the mind to produce 
what they were doing, changing the world. Now, this formation of Christ in us, the hope of glory, takes place under the guidance of the regenerative process. It's probably a phrase you haven't heard before. This takes place under the guidance of the regenerative process which God has given to the Holy Spirit. We are the people of regeneration. Titus says it this way. Let me just read to you. I think I may even have it. But let's see. Titus says it this way. Titus chapter 3. I just want to talk about regeneration for one moment. It says in verse 4, But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That's what's on our shirt, by the way, that same scripture. So we are, the, we are washed by regeneration, regeneration. So this formation of Christ in us takes place under the guidance of the regenerative process, which God has given to the Holy Spirit. You and I are undergoing a massive transition within our beings, a secret, hidden work on the inside led and guided by the Spirit of God. Do you believe it? Right now, as we're talking, there's an activation going on someone's, in someone's heart, mind, soul. There's an activation. There's an acceleration. Because the Word of God that you're hearing is bearing witness with your spirit, and the Spirit of God in you is being quickened. And all of a sudden, the regenerative processes are moving. They've been lying dormant because nobody's speaking into it. But the breath of God is speaking into that regenerative process so that there's a quickening going to go on in you because you're in total agreement. The regenerative process is a work of change taking place in you and I, and it's secret. Regeneration speaks of restoration, renewal, and other words that speak of coming back to life again. Ooh, Adam died. A life-giving spirit is coming to bring life back in the intended purpose of God because man was made in the image and likeness of God. And God is restoring that image and bringing it back. Started 2,000 years ago. My wife was there. I think an angel's to my left side right now. Oof, just look. Somebody was there. Anyways, hallelujah. Coming back to life again. So later we're going to talk, explain coming back to life. And the form of God that is being completed in us is a work that truly speaks of genuine salvation. See, salvation is not going to heaven. Genuine salvation is the transformation being conformed into the form inwardly, 
that is salvation because the word salvation sozo means to be made whole. Not fragmented, not double-minded, not broken, not schizophrenic, not seven different personalities. Salvation means to be made whole, to be delivered. Come on. Do you remember when Jesus spoke of the two roads? I'm sure you do. He said there are two roads that may be traveled by man. One was wide and many were on it, but the road led to destruction. The other was narrow, pressing, and few were on it, but it led to eternal life. As we look at the word formed or form, we find the same meaning as narrow or pressing, because when you form something, you press it, right? So the meaning here is that one who has entered into the way of life has entered into the way of pressing into form. So when you go on the narrow pathway, it's narrow, it's, it, it, it's pressurized, because that's there where life comes through being reformed into the form. So the whole of the Christian life is a process of refining, testing, purging, breaking, reforming, and the like until we come into the form that God intends us to be. Have you found that to be true in your life? Let me say it again. It's all about refining, testing, because you got to make sure it's going to stand, right? you got to subject it to tests to make sure that form is reality and it's not weak. So, refining, testing, purging, breaking, reforming until we come into the form that God intends us to be. Now, very often, we see our walk with the Lord as a series of do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs. However, the very refining, testing, purging, breaking, and reforming are always working toward a glorious end. So what we're going through is not about I do right, doing wrong, doing this, do that, do not do this, do not. It's not about that. Our experience with God is way beyond that. It's what he's performing in us. If we could understand that once we have entered into the path of life, the narrow, pressing way of spiritual life, we can know that whatever process we may undergo are designed by God to bring us to an exact likeness to the form he has created us to be. That's what you're, these, all these things you're going through, trials, tribulations, persecutions, struggles, all true believers that go to the narrow pathway of Christ go through those things because that's where the breaking comes. That's where the change comes. That's where the refining comes. These things aren't just going through hard times to get somewhere geographically. These are the things that are bringing us into his image and likeness. I'll finish this paragraph. This is a three-page teaching. By the way, I wrote this many, many years ago, probably right around 2003. We were still part of that 50th generation. And I want to finish this paragraph because you may think that your whole life is about brokenness, tragedy, trials, testings, right? Well, 
during the process, our lifetime of going through these things, and God's going to quicken it and work it in us. So during the process, we often experience, we often experience relief, uh, refreshing, renewal, stability, character, and the like. And we look upon these times as good times, times of joy and gladness, because first of all, the pressure is off. Hallelujah. And secondly, we begin to see some positive changes in our lives. Have you ever noticed that when we go through the trials and all the processes of the Holy Spirit refining, purging, that we begin to see change? It begins to outray out of us. Something that we've been going through has produced something on the inside, and it begins to manifest out of us. But... Very often, the work has not been completed. So after a while, we are brought back into the furnace, and the potter begins to work again deep within us. He arranges different experiences to purge, break, refine, test, and reform us so that more and more of what he is after can begin to appear. He sets up the trials. He allows the persecution. He does He's behind it all if you belong to him. You, he owns us. So he subjects us to whatever he wants to, when he wants to. And when he wants to bring us out, praise the Lord. And then he looks at us. Ooh, are you ready yet? Hmm, not yet. Now, the great thing about the day we are living in is that we are the generation in whom God is going to cut his work short. We are the generation called the 11th if you will, that is going to earn the same wages as the generations who labored way beyond what we have. We are the final generation, the chosen generation spoken of by Peter, the generation of the upright in whom God will finish his work. This has nothing to do with our own ability or special graces. We have simply been birthed into this time by the foreordination of God He has chosen us for this very thing that we're talking about. Now, I want to ask you, in comparison, what's more important? Yes, we're going to tend to getting our water and our food because dark times are coming. And God has a wilderness prepared for some people that are overcomers. The Church of Philadelphia is going to keep them from the hour of temptation that's coming on the whole world. And in the wilderness for those three and a half years, they're going to be nourished, and there's going to be more apostolic anointing, prophetic anointing at work culminating. During the tribulation, the majority are going to be in it, getting cleaned up and having to go through a lot of stuff. But there are those who are not going to be in it that are going to be experiencing things that are going to prepare them right after the tribulation, the coming of the Lord. And, and then all of a sudden God finishes things. Then the millennial comes, the 1,000-year millennial reign. We're going to be now prepared to rule and reign for 1,000 years and take all this form that he's created in us. The old is gone. The new comes. Now we're ruling and reigning in bodies that can never die with the very likeness of Jesus Christ fully formed in us. Now we could go and do what God wants to get done in the dimensions. Ooh, it's good. It's so good. And I got news for you. It's going to get gooder and gooder and gooder. We're going to preach this tonight at our Bible study because we're not going to be meeting Wednesday. So we're going to be in a home Bible study tonight. 
and we're welcoming all of the new Y Ministry family to come and sit on the floors in this beautiful home that we're going to, that they have opened up to us, our dear friends and neighbors, Mark and Cindy. I shocked them the other day, but I said, we're all coming, and they allowed it, and I thanked them for it, and i so sorry that I didn't forewarn them, but I thought that uh, we had talked about inviting other people, but not the whole church, but we're going to do it. It's going to be great tonight. We're going to have an ecclesia meeting. My prayer to God is the spirit of the Lord will be so rich in the body of Christ that we will be just filled with the presence of God's glory. He wants to do that in you. He wants to do that all over the world. This is what the spirit of God is doing, as well as directing us. It's been an awesome time being with you. I want to remind you, if you can, get your shirt, get your sweatshirt, go to this particular address here. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. I just want to put this up there one more time. And uh, whoops, there it is. So if you go to bit.ly forward slash shed Jesus, you'll get one of these great shirts. And uh, there's a lot of good stuff on it. So also, please, please consider supporting this ministry financially with a blessing. There are several ways you can do that. One of the easiest ways, if you want to just put something in the mail, it's always fun to go to the mail and get an envelope from our friends, P.O. Box 100, P.O. Box 100. It doesn't get any easier than that, and it's in Decatur, Arkansas, which you can get from the zip code 72722. Would you please consider supporting this ministry financially with your financial blessings? And if you just feel overwhelmed with the graciousness of God and say, I just want to say, I want to bless that ministry here. You want to do that? Awesome. We would deeply appreciate it. And thank you. We're going to continue to minister the word as long as God allows us to. As long as we're here partnering with this ministry, we ask the Lord to bless you. Pray that it's hundredfold soil so that when you do give a gift, you will experience something in the hundredfold realm back into your life. So please. P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. Also, if you want to give online, you can go right here to nwmglobal.org under the donations tab, okay? So just nwmglobal.org, and you can support and supply the ministry that way. We thank you for doing it. We really do appreciate it. It means a lot to us to know that people are willing to give And those who give online, praise the Lord. Again, if you want to just drop something in the envelope, you you know, whatever it is that God puts in your heart to give, uh, you could also give it to P.O. Box Indicator. Now, there's one other way people can give, and it's right here. It's on your phone. If you have a a cell phone, you could dial this number. You text the number. It's on the screen right now, 41088. And then in small letters, Omega, all together, 41088 Omega. And then you type in the word give, and that right there on your phone, it'll take you to a page, and you could do everything you'd like to do and give online if you'd like to do that as well. So we have nwmglobal.org. We have 41088 Omega. Type in the word give. It'll direct you. And P.O. Box 100 in Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. Thanks for joining me on the air today. This is Pastor Vince Shalom. Have a super blessed day, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow with our dear friends from Honduras, Brian and Kathy Gray. That's the last name, Brian and Kathy Gray. We'll see you tomorrow. Shalom.